Please listen carefully. And now, live from the attic that smells like a basement in McKinney, Texas, it's the Assuming Positions Podcast, featuring four left feet performing a tango of trivia, Kevin and Mikey. Hey everybody, welcome to the Assuming Positions Podcast. Kevin over here. And Mikey over here. And today on our podcast, it is time for more Head of the Posse. Yeehaw! Roundup! Also on our notes, build the posse. Bap! <laughs> Bap! Cardi B! Bap! No, that's what the brand is. It's a B-A-P in a circle. It goes on the horses and the, 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 <laughs> the brand. Posse, yeah. yeah, the brand. The, the posse members that misbehave. <laughs> So again, uh, every month we do this, we like to thank John Jordan for, or the Rango Kid, I mean. Get out of Dodge, Rango. For giving us this idea. And if you guys have ideas of fictional fantasies, fantastical? Fantastical. I want to say fantasy, but that's... Science fictional? Yeah. (laughs) Genre thick? That groups you want us to build and put together, let us know. We'll give you all the details at the end how you can contact us. Yeah. So far for our uh, posse, we have chosen our gunslinger. Our tracker, mm-hmm. our doctor, yes. and our gambler. You got to know when to... What? Oh, sorry. That was my gambler. Let's just re- refresh everyone. Yeah. Uh, my gunslinger is the man with no name. Clint Eastwood's character from the Dollar series. My tracker is Naru from Prey. My doc is Colleen Cooper from Dr. Quinn Medicine Woman. And my gambler is Kenny Rogers playing Brady Hawks in the <laughs> Gambler series. <laughs> That's so funny. Always makes me want want some chicken, though. <laughs> uh, for me and my posse, I don't know if I have a posse name yet. The OK Buddy Posse. No, that was the Bat Posse. Yes, <laughs> but though no, like you know, what's a, what's the ranch called? Oh, OK Buddy, <laughs> OK Buddy Ranch. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, buddy. Oh, that's what it is. Yeah, yeah Buddy bu- Ranch. Yeah, buddy. <laughs> uh, for mine, I have my gunslinger is John Wick. Pulling the strings a little bit on that one. Mm-hmm. But he looks so cool in the cowboy getup. Yep. Uh, for my tracker, I have Lou Diamond Phillips as Standing Bear from Longmire. Go check it out if you haven't. That's the reason I brought it up and picked that character. For my doctor, I got Doc Holliday, the uh, wonderful, awesome Val Kilmer. Mm-hmm. And the real-life dude, also awesome. And then for my gambler, I picked a real-life person, one-of-a-kind kind of gal, and her name is Lottie Denno. That's great. Lottie Denaro. Make that movie. <laughs> Please. Today, we're choosing the person who probably feels real comfortable on a horse if they used to be former cavalry or current go. cavalry. We're picking our military vet slash soldier slash, well, I guess at this point out west, they couldn't be a, the vet at this, the veteran at this point. Yeah, there's been a couple wars out there. <laughs> but either way, we are picking the soldier, the military person that we will have in our group. Um, the person who still might wear those blue or gray pants. Yes. Yeah. Depending on who they were with. <laughs> or what they were buried in. No, wait, no. <laughs> They're not coming back from the dead. Mine that, aren't anyway. That always seems like the the trope in Westerns, like how you tell that they used to be on one side or the other in the Civil War. They Absolutely. always just kept their pants. That's it. I don't know why you keep your pants. Sometimes the hat. Sometimes they'd have the, the little keppy hat yeah that's true but usually just the pants well boots seem to wear out so you get somebody else's yeah same with like all the wearables yeah i don't know i would think the coat would last longest but i don't know maybe my my coats last long because i wear my pants out 
Maybe there's an army code. Never wear another man's pants. <laughs> Keep your own damn pants. I don't know. <laughs> Keep your pants. <laughs> Keep your pants on. Maybe that's where that comes from. Oh, maybe. <laughs> Keep your pants on. Oh, if it doesn't, let's make that up and that may be a false internet rumor. It is. Factoid. Keep your pants on. It comes from the army. <laughs> you always kept your pants on. <laughs> oh, but we're picking our soldiers. We're yeah. picking our vets. Uh, I'll start it off because I like going first mm-hmm. on the silly picks because the silly picks are the, the, you know, these are the ones that didn't quite make the cut, yep. but they're in consideration. And this was really in consideration, but I don't know. I erred on the side of safe judgment, and I want my pasta to actually stay together and not like <laughs> disband like an hour after meeting each other. <laughs> but my my third pick is Yosemite Sam. Oh my god! Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh man, that's it. I mean, you say the name, you know who I'm talking about. How many people just know him from uh, Mud Flaps and oh, say maybe. back off? <laughs> Like that Kelvin guy that's always peeing on everything. <laughs> Why is he peeing on everything? Uh, no, you, no, Yosemite Sam comes from Looney Tunes. He was created by Fritz Freelang and Michael Maltese. Oh, the great Fritz Freelang. That's it. One, yes. of, one of his originals uh, as a foil to Bugs Bunny. Yep. And actually, I mean, this makes sense, but to see it in writing, it's like, oh, duh. He's actually also created as the antithesis to Elmer Fudd. Like, everything Elmer Fudd isn't, Yosemite Sam is. Oh, I see. So demure and easy to like fool and mm-hmm. not very much a, an opponent. Yosemite Sam is high energy, high shooting, mm-hmm. always has bullets, always mad, yeah. always ornery. It's funny how Bugs Bunny is almost like a comic book superhero. Yeah. Where yeah. he has his pantheon of enemies. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> that big hair guy. Yep. Yeah. That crazy witch lady. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's got, got a whole bunch of them. <laughs> he's got a pantheon of enemies. Sometimes Daffy Duck. <laughs> I still can't get over the trivia that... Uh, Nimrod comes from Bugs Bunny and uh, Elmer Fudd, and the mm-hmm. reason it means the reason Nimrod means idiot is because of Elmer Fudd. Yeah, and Nimrod used to mean great hunter, mm-hmm. and that's why he gave. That's why Bugs Bunny called Elmer Fudd that. He's like, "Oh, Nimrod, you great hunter." <laughs> yeah, but then everybody's like, "Oh, he must mean a dummy." I'm like, oh, whoops. <laughs> uh, speaking of Daffy, and this is not Looney Tunes, but Yosemite Sam. I mean, that that would be my silly pick. Well, I'll get into him. So because like. Imagine them doing like the Colossus Wolverine, just throw Yosemite mm-hmm. Sam into the saloon where the problem is, and he whirling dervishes all around and starts shooting up, and mm-hmm. then you can clear it out with the rest of the posse. Mm-hmm. He's like, he's just like yeah. a, a time bomb you can throw in there. Yeah. Also, would probably be the most fitting avatar if I would have put myself into the posse. <laughs> a tiny little angry little uh, pale redhead <laughs> looking dude. Um, but you said Daffy Duck, and I want to switch to Donald Duck because I learned that he is the only Disney character to have an active service in the United States Armed Services. Yeah? That's crazy. Do you know why that is? He's, a, he's in the Navy, right? <laughs> but why is he in the Navy? Actually, he, he's in the Army. He's not in the Navy. Really? You he, would think being he wears a, duck, a little Navy suit. You, and you would think being a duck, he'd be in the Navy or the Air Force. But a little Navy hat. He yeah. was also in um. He was also in the Wehrmacht. He was in Hitler's army. He was, but that was a dream. That doesn't. Count. Oh, that's true. That was a dream. <laughs> he right in the Fuhrer's face. He really did. Yeah. Uh, but that's kind of where it comes from. The U.S. Army actually officially drafted Donald Duck 
for World War II and to do the like training videos oh, yeah, yeah, and yeah. the route, like the morale videos. Mm-hmm. But it, they gave him discharge papers in 1984, <laughs> and he's like officially the only cartoon to actually be a soldier. So that's it was funny. like. Because I was looking up cartoon soldiers, like, oh, that's silly. I was like, oh, Donald Duck is mm-hmm. officially a soldier. So, but yeah, random I, trivia. I remember Yosemite Sam being dressed in cavalry gear sometimes. Yep. Yeah. He's yeah. He he actually had a whole bunch of roles. He's mainly the cowboy, but yeah. he's been a soldier. He's been a samurai. He's been like all <laughs> kinds of weird getups. <laughs> oh man, Yosemite Sam. Yeah, he was a warrior, a pirate, an Indian chief. Man, <laughs> those Looney Tunes. It's Mel Blanc, man. Yeah, the greatness just makes me think of Saturday mornings and sugary cereals. That's it. Or Pop-Tarts, or sometimes both. Old Looney Tunes cartoons have a similar effect for me as like chicken noodle soup. Like if I'm not feeling good on like mm. a rainy day or something and a Looney Tunes cartoon is on, I'll be like, I feel a little bit better. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great one. My third pick is also silly. Nice. And also goes back to something I used to watch. And I don't even know if you know about this, but we'll learn some things maybe. Hey. I was an unabashed Nick at Night kid. Yes. And I think maybe TV Land was just beginning, maybe. I'm not sure when TV Land launched. But I just remember we had cable since like 1980. I'm not doing a humble brag. We just did. (laughs) We had cable very soon after it like hit. That was just the facts of life. Yeah. And that was a good show. Um, (laughs) And uh, because of that, they were throwing everything they could on all those channels just to have content. Yes. Um, and a lot of things were like the things that were on Nick at Night, just old shows. Stuff they had, like the yeah, rights and exactly. syndicated things, too. Um, and a lot of those old shows were stuff that my dad remembered, so he would watch them or I would come across them. I don't know how I found this, but there was a show called F Troop. <laughs> yes. And F Troop is kind of like a silly sitcom. Silly sitcom. Sitcoms, are, but it's very silly. It's very absurdist. It's from the, it's had two seasons in the 60s, right when they transitioned from black and white to color. They nice. had the first season was black and white, the second season in color. And it, it was set in a Western fort out West. And these were just a bunch of bumbling soldiers. Nice. And the one I want on my team, not really, but he was great, uh, was Corporal Randolph Agarn played by Larry Storch, the great Larry Storch. Larry Storch was a stand-up comedian who yes. got into television at its kind of near its infancy. Mm-hmm. And if you saw his face, you'd be like, oh, I've seen him before because he was in everything up until I think one of the last things he did. I mean, the guy lived to be 99 years old. But one of the last big things he did was he was like a guest star and married with children. Oh, wow. So that's how far it goes. It's, it's like crazy. a good 30 years of just being on TV. And if you saw me, you'd recognize him because he was in everything. Yep. I mean, you just name a show that was popular and they needed a character actor who had good comedy chops and he was in it. I got From you. Car 54, Where Are You, to All in the Family, to Knight Rider. <laughs> I mean, he'd been in it all. So great actor, great comedian, but... He's most well-known for playing Corporal Agarn in uh, F Troop, and that's where I know him from is F Troop, and it's ridiculous. It's one of those shows that had, like, the beginning of it had, of course, it had this little song, you know, that explained what was going on. Mm -hmm. It was mainly about the captain who accidentally became a hero and got this posting. Um, Back in the days of theme songs, like, giving you the explanation, I miss it. It was was great. Um, But the cool thing about this is they had, at the end of the opening credits, 
they had a tower gag that was d- different yeah. almost every episode where somehow the watchtower would get knocked over <laughs> and you know the the I think the first and most popular one is they're trying to set the cannon off for a, like a salute yep. and it doesn't go off and they kick the wheel and the wheel falls over and it blows the... <laughs> yeah, the leg off the watchtower. Yeah, and the watchtower falls down. But they did that gag a bunch of different ways. It's kind of like our gag that at the beginning of our show where we talk about where we are. That's it. And or the gag of the Simpsons gag of the couch. Right. Yep. And so hilarious. But basically the whole premise of the show is... And it, it is, there's so much in this show that's not PC anymore. Yes. But... We always say, let's meet stuff where it's at and just realize that they didn't know any better and just be happy it existed and was was silly and funny. But and it's it's so absurd. There's there's a group of uh, Native Americans who are all played by Italian guys because that's what happened back then. (laughs) And and they are in cahoots with the sergeant of the fort, Sergeant O'Rourke, and Corporal Agarn is like his little buddy. Yep. And they had just basically have a deal where they're like bilking the U.S. Army yep. because this fort is so like unattended and stuff. And they never really attack each other because they're both cowards on both sides, so they don't want to. So they just have this deal. And the captain the who comes in is like clueless. So it just they're always trying to pull one over. There's like Sergeant Bilko had a similar thing going uh, on. I was gonna say, like yeah. it, it, this that laid the groundwork F troop laid the groundwork for things like stripes and yes. Sergeant Bilko right. and Right. It's Mash very a little bit. Yeah, it's very like stripes, very like Mash. It is really. Yeah. And it was silly and goofy. But he was hilarious because he had like the the deal where he would hit people with his hat when he got angry at him. There you go. <laughs> Very skipper from Gilligan's Island. <laughs> and then it was he was super he was super emotional and would would like always bury his head in someone's like chest and be like, Oh no. And the funniest thing about him to me was that he was like a hypochondriac before WebMD existed, mm-hmm. before he could Google anything, he would just hear about symptoms, even symptoms like the, a horse had, and yeah. be like, oh, I think I have that. Start coming down with yeah. it. Yeah, which was, it's a really funny <laughs> bit. It's a really funny bit. So, I mean, he in 1967, he was nominated for the Emmy Award for Outstanding Performance by an actor. In a so, situational comedy? Yeah. Nice. So that's how good he was. <laughs> so it's It's funny. I'd say go back and look at it and just, you know, um, some people don't like that kind of stuff, but hold your nose. There's there's a lot of silly things that it makes fun of. That's like it. one of the funniest things to me is that because it's from like 66, 67, it makes a lot of fun of the 60s. Yes. But in like a Western context. I got you. At the time they had like the Playboy clubs. <laughs> so the Native Americans have their own like version of it. Gotcha. Where like the the women are dressed like squirrels oh, <laughs> instead wow. of bunnies. Wow. And they have like they have like this this trio. They're totally playing contemporary 60s like <laughs> type music. And like the girls are like dressed as squirrels, like dancing up there in that kind of 60s like jerky dance. Yeah, yeah the, the Batman dance. Come on, everybody. Yeah. Let's dance. It's so ridiculous. That's and great. like when they when they pull their horses up, <laughs> they pull their horses up. The guy literally gives them like tickets. You know, and then puts tickets in like the bridle. That's like, hilarious. Like, like, like oh, like the valet. Oh, it's hilarious. It's funny. I know what I'm gonna be. Uh, yeah, my my rabbit hole later this evening. It's funny. It's goofy. It's silly. Not respectful, unfortunately, at all. The but which is goofier, F troop or goof troop? <laughs> Trick question. Just kidding. 
No, I like it though. And I'm a big fan of those old, like the TV lands, the naked nights. Yeah. Those old TV shows. Uh, that's kind of where my second pick comes from. Similar mm-hmm. vein, not TV, but movies. So I do enjoy myself a Western, both yeah. novel and in movies. Well, it's good because we're doing the, <laughs> yeah. out of the posse over here. So it is my wheelhouse. <laughs> I mean, we yeah, Red Dead like was the, 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 thing, the thing that kicked this all off because yeah. we have so much love for it. Mm-hmm. But most of it comes from my father. Like the movies I've seen, the TV shows I've seen, mm. it's because... My dad was like, oh, yeah, Cowboys, let's watch it. Or it was Lonesome Dove and it's my mom, you know. Mm. (laughs) But this one, my second pick is Lee Marvin. Oh. Specifically because he was Liberty Valance in The Man Who Shot Liberty Valance. Oh, that's a good movie. And that's just like, if I think of like, oh, that's a dad movie. That's one of them because Mm. my dad loved that movie. It's a good movie. It's a really good movie, though. Yep. Kind of out of cast for Lee Marvin, who I'm picking. Because he was he was mainly the good guy, and yeah. that that's one of the rare ones where he was the bad guy. Mm-hmm. But he could pull it off because uh, for those of you who don't know, what I'm talking about you can kind of almost picture like Josh Brolin's grandfather, <laughs> right? Yeah, okay, for sure. He has a real stern cowboy, mm-hmm. strong jaw. Like yeah. you can barely see his eyes because he's been squinting all day, like Eastwood mm-hmm. a little bit. Yeah. Um, but he's got a real warm, charming face. Yeah. Like you, it, oh, you, you get why he plays the good guy. Mm-hmm. But I picked him as a soldier because he has played a soldier. I'm not copping out on that one. Um, he actually played like a military soldier in The Dirty Dozen, yeah. which is probably his biggest movie. Mm-hmm. Sort of a Band of Brothers style, Saving Private Ryan, Impossible Mission Army mm-hmm. movie, which I'll come back to in a second. But he was also in The Professionals. Uh, with Burt Lancaster, another mm-hmm. great Western. And then he was also famous as a little bit of a softer kind of cowboy in Cat Baloo, where he yes. was op- opposite Jane Fonda. Yeah, that's another great movie. And that's him playing a cowboy. Not necessarily a soldier, but a cowboy. Mm-hmm. The reason he's a soldier is because he actually served before he ever even started his acting career. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, he got a purple heart for being shot in the butt. Yeah. Unfortunately, that led to his discharge in the end of his service career, but uh, he saw active service in, in World War II. He did. And I, I said I'll come back to the Dirty Dozen is because he's one of those guys that was it, just manly men, tough dude. I'm going off to war. I'm going to be a soldier. This is what I was born for. Came back and said, okay, I'm going to be an actor. And at, at a time when it was kind of like, oh, you're going into theater, you know, like a little bit. Yeah. Not, I guess, looked down upon. Yeah. Especially after coming from armed services. Mm-hmm. But he chose roles to specifically portray the army, not in a bad way or a good way, but with his experience. So he'd play an awesome commanding leader, a general mm-hmm. in the Dirty Dozen. Like, you know, he's like, he has a whole troop of men that are dependent on him. And yep. He gets them through today. But he also has speeches in there of like the, I'm too old for this crap kind of guy. Mm-hmm. Delivered with that Josh Brolin, warm, lovey, older brother kind of face, you know? Yeah. So that that's interesting. That's the kind of soldier I like. You know, he understands the necessity of battle, mm-hmm. the necessity of the jobs the posse is doing, you know, but understands that the Wild West is cruel and it doesn't necessarily need to be extra cruel and like that kind of balance mm-hmm. things. I like that kind of... I like a grizzled vet, but I like the wise grizzled vet. Yeah. And Lee Marvin is sort of the epitome of that. He's just great to watch in those old, old westerns. A great one that he's in is The Big Red One. Yes. That also has Mark Hamill in it for our Star Wars nerd friends. That's a really good one. I mean, like, 
I know his name, but I don't think he's as big as the names of the come of the the people he was with. Yeah, because he's been with Jimmy Stewart. He's been a, a, across uh, John Wayne, mm-hmm. the classic western. He was also a, a opposite Brando in the Wild One. That's mm-hmm. more like criminal gangster, like mob guy. Hmm. It's a good time. Yeah, Lee Marvin, man. You almost made the cut. It would have been number one. My third pick was really silly. Lee Marvin's a little too real life. So <laughs> first pick is, well, it'll be a fun combination <clears throat> of both. All right. I love Lee Marvin. He's great. <laughs> my second pick could have been a first pick, but there's some reasons why. I think my first pick is better. That's why it's the first pick. But, <laughs> but my second pick, I mean, this was one of the first things that came to mind. This movie has like seven Oscars, including Best Picture and Best Director. It's about a first lieutenant named John J. Dunbar <laughs> who was uh, sent out to a fort and ran into some Native Americans and they gave him the name Dances with Wolves. <laughs> Tatonka. <laughs> Tatonka. Tatonka. Buffalo. Yes. Tatonka. <laughs> if anyone out there listening has not seen Dances with Wolves, go see Dances with Wolves. Right now. I mean, it has, like I said, it has seven Oscars and not for... Nothing. Not for nothing. It is a brilliant movie and really one of the kind of seminal movies. One of the, I, I don't know if it was the first, but it's one of the first major movies that made an effort that everyone we're casting as Native Americans are a Native American. Mm-hmm. We're going to use their language. They use Lakota, Lakota Sioux. It's funny because the biggest knock on this movie is that like, he was with the Sioux and their enemy was, was the Pawnee and that was true. But I guess like the Sioux were always more aggressive than the Pawnee, but the Pawnee are aggressive in this. Yep. Whatever. Come on guys. I mean, that's like, here's, let's go at the toxicity of like the history nerds pushing up their glasses. (laughs) This movie's great. Can you just say like maybe during this span of time, the Pawnee had a chief that was like super aggressive. There you go. Like maybe overall, yes, they weren't maybe right now. Yep. Who knows? Come on. Uh, but anyway, you keep throwing me off though because I keep thinking Pawnee from Parks and Rec and whoever they oh, have yeah. their rivalry with. I'm like, that's not who you're talking about. No, I'm talking about the Native American tribe. But Kevin Costner plays John Dunbar, who's a first lieutenant. It starts off with him in the Civil War. He gets wounded in the leg, and the guy's like, We're gonna have to cut your leg off. Mm-hmm. So then he tries to like kill himself in, right. in battle by grabbing a horse and running across the Confederate lines, which only makes the, the Union troops go like, he's awesome, let's go. <laughs> so he accident. this is almost funny, it's almost like F Troop, he accidentally became a hero. It's the Don Quixote, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Inadvertent hero. And they, uh, because of his bravery, they're like, okay, you can have whatever posting you want, and you get to keep that horse you're on. Okay. And he goes, I want to go to our furthest fort out west. And there they're like, why? And he's like, I want to see it before it goes away. Kevin Costner. Cue soft wings. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but uh, so he gets sent out to a fort that's actually is abandoned. Yep. And no one knows that he even got sent out there because the guy who drove him out there in his wagon gets killed on the way back <laughs> by the Pawnee. And the commander who sent him out there is insane. Yes. And ends up killing himself. So no one knows he's out there. Basically, it's a story of him being out there and he makes friends with a wolf and you hear him writing in his journal and then he gets raided by the Lakota, but he kind of chases them off and he's not, a, he's not afraid of them, but not aggressive towards them. He just kind of is like there. I'm here, yeah. 
there and they were wondering what's going on with this lone white man out there. <laughs> and then he uh, actually is like, I'm going to go talk to them and tell them like, hey, man, just leave me alone. I'll leave you alone. And on the way, he finds Stands With Fist, who is a actually a a white lady who was adopted by the tribe when she was really young, Mm -hmm. which would happen from time to time. And uh, she barely remembered English, but kind of served as their translator. And she had like she had like her husband had died. So she was doing this mourning thing where they cut themselves, which is not healthy. Kids does not do that. Jeez, Louise. (laughs) Um, But she kind of passes out from fear and lack of blood. And he that's kind of his key to the tribe. He takes her over there. And um, and then they uh, start kind of a relationship and stands with Fist's father, adopted father is the medicine man kicking bird. And he and. Dunbar kind of seemed to like have both want to get into each other's heads yeah. and wind in his hair. It doesn't want any of it. That's the. That's I keep laughing every time you say the names. One, because the names are awesome, yeah. but like they're so distinct that I remember each character as you say yeah. them. And so I get seen wonderful. I'm like, oh, yeah. Yeah. Wonderful Native American actors that launched a whole bunch of careers. For sure. Um, and then, like, anytime they needed a Native American, they'd go back to the Dances with Wolves well, <laughs> which is great. It's great. And what's funny is in later stuff, like, you know, Reservation Dogs and stuff, these guys are so much older now, but they show up in these as, like, elders now when they used to be young guys back in Dances with Wolves, which is great. It's great to see them. No CGI needed. Yeah. Pure, pure elders. <laughs> But that's basically the long and the short of it. He befriends them. He eventually totally goes native. Yep. They call him Dance with the Wolves because like, he makes friends with that wolf and they kind of were playing once and they see them playing and he's like, he's dancing with a wolf. <laughs> Crazy white man. Yeah. He danced with wolves. And then, of course, everything goes to heck because they finally do send people out there to man the fort. Yep. And they see that he's gone native and arrest him and then the Native Americans rescue him and... They kind of, they sort of live happily ever after until 13 years later when bad stuff happens. But yes, <laughs> <laughs> for the movies intent and purposes, yeah. yes. But he's my second pick. Mainly, I just kind of want to talk about Dancing with Wolves a little bit with you. <laughs> yeah. Like, what did you think of Dancing with Wolves? That, it, like I was saying, there's some Western stuff I get from my dad. This is Western from my mom. This is yeah. Lonesome Dove. This is Dances with Wolves. This is a little House on the Prairie, like yeah, that time, right. of, like drama on the frontier, right. And when it's done right, it has a, a unique quality to right. it. It's very, I don't know, earthy. I don't know. <laughs> like, and I think he would have been a good pick because he could kind of translate for Nauru and yeah. they could they could talk together. But at the same time, he's very pacifist. Absolutely. And I'm afraid if stuff goes down, is he going to do anything? Yes, I guess he would. But at the same time, he also it kind of just goes off and does it. I'm just afraid he'd leave. Like he'd run into some other group of somebody and be like, oh, I like their lifestyle. Pretty much, yeah. Like we'd go past a hippie commune and next thing you know, he'd be called Moonchild. And I was going to say, yeah, if yeah. you pass some tinkers, like yeah. it's, he's gone. He's like, yeah. oh, that's how you make it? Okay. <laughs> you guys are making satellites to study the ocean? Okay. Oh, wait, no, that's real Kevin Costner. <laughs> no, but like his character in Dances with Wolves is that is the type of old soldier that you want that I was talking about. Like, yeah. It it is pacifist, but there's also like a pragmatism in there. Like he knows the expansion's coming, right. and he knows like he loves the true land. Like, yeah, like a cowboy. For sure. Like he loves yeah. living off the land and being out by himself, mm-hmm. you know, and living harmoniously with the natives that he meets. Like 
that's the the cowboy mm-hmm. ideal. Yeah, he could have easily been number one choice, but I think I came up with a better number one. I like it for reasons we'll get to <laughs> after you tell us your number one, Mikey. My number one. Here we go. So I started off with silly with Yosemite Sam. Would have been awesome, but a little too silly. I I, I I tempered myself and I overcorrected and I went to Lee Marvin. Love you, Lee Marvin, but you can be a little stern on the eyes sometimes. I don't know if I can <laughs> hang out with that every day. <laughs> I burn the coffee, I look over and you're mad at me. Yeah. <laughs> so my first pick is hopefully a combination of both of those. And it, okay. it is Robin Williams oh. as Teddy Roosevelt. What? <laughs> In Night at the Museum. Oh. We'll say all three, because yeah. he's in all three. That That's a soldier for sure, and a president. And a cowboy. Yeah, and a cowboy, yeah, for real. Yeah, I get the bonus that the stand-up comedian is, is Robin Williams, but man, he played that to a T for he such did. a silly movie, so we can start wherever. Night at the Museum, I love those movies. They're yeah. super silly. Teddy Roosevelt, mm-hmm. love that man. Dum-dum. <laughs> and then all of it. I will say, just because in case questions come up, Yes, the tablet will be a thing in my posse. I'm trying to treat this like a tabletop game. <laughs> so Teddy Roosevelt is alive, is a cowboy, is a is awesome soldier, but is still like has museum magic. So needs the tablet with him. Oh, if brigands and uh, bandits steal it, you have a frozen Teddy Roosevelt. He's yeah. not going to turn into dust, but it's going to be like Toy Story. Like yeah. he's just inanimate. Yeah, statue. Yeah. But or whatever mannequin, whatever those things are, they have at museums. <laughs> Maquettes is yeah, that the proper word. I don't know what they call them. And you could also reverse it. You could you could get up to some Trojan horse style hijinks. And be like, we got this. You this Teddy Roosevelt statue for your fort. <laughs> and then he comes to life at night, and then you can you know sneak in that way. <laughs> but yes, the tablet rules from night at the museum do apply because you gotta. There's got to be some governor on this overpowered yeah. character. He's magical. Yeah. Uh, but Teddy Roosevelt oh. as a president, 26th president. My, and he's, I think he might be my favorite president. And, and here's like, I knew this fact because we learn all about this growing yeah. up. But with perspective comes, he was president at 42. Yeah. That is crazy. Yes. I, if it, it, that'd be me being president in a few years. And mm-hmm. I, no, no, yeah. thank you. He started national parks. He started national parks. He started uh, a whole bunch of programs. Yeah. But he started the Rough Riders before he became president. Yeah. But that was essentially a posse. Uh-huh. He's done this before. Yeah. I could have picked him for my leader, but, you know, I figure team effort. Yeah. Um, but the Rough Riders were formed for the Spanish-American War, mainly for the Battle of San Juan Hills, which you hear about most, which is kind of a famous battle for not really being that much of a battle. But the Rough Riders were essentially Teddy Roosevelt's boys club because he wanted to be a cowboy. Mm-hmm. You can go read all of his, his his histories, but he thought being a cowboy was the manliest of the manly. Mm-hmm. And to settle disputes, like apparently in his little crew, like if there were disagreements, he'd be like, all right, wrestle. And whoever wins, <laughs> like you're right. You know, just like get it wrestle. over with. Yeah. <laughs> But he loved like living off the land. He loved preserving the land Mm because he was like, this is America and we're going to travel it and be the land police, essentially. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, just you can't top that as far as old soldier that's going to join the party. He got shot and kept doing his speech. That's it. That's the craziest thing to me. He has also, I don't know, the one memory that sticks out with me is for Teddy Roosevelt is that in his journal, his wife and his mom died at the same day. Mm-hmm. And all like it's a famous journal page. It just has a big X through it. And it says, "The light of my life has gone out." Oh, it's like what? Whoa. Holy crap! Oh, and that's just one of like that's a bullet point in the life of yeah. Teddy Roosevelt. So much going on. 
and Night of the Museum, man, that was the great thing about that movie is like introducing some great actors that my kids didn't know about when go. they were kids, mm-hmm. like uh, Don Rickles. There you go. You know, listen here, you hacky puck. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, his voice sounds familiar, and I'm like, yeah, he's in Toy Story. <laughs> yeah. Now listen, somebody's gonna get rickled. <laughs> I love Don Rickles. Yeah, and. Uh, uh, Robin Williams. That'd be Hank Azaria's in there, too. There's he, so many people. Owen Wilson's in it. Amy Adams. That's um, Amelia Earhart. Be still my heart. Dick Van Dyke. The great Dick Van Dyke's in it. There you go. Come on. <laughs> if he's, that guy's, like, legendary. No, those movies are... are uh, there's a trilogy, and they're all good. I don't know if it's a perfect trilogy, but definitely a perfect afternoon. Yeah. All right. My number... That's an awesome... Oh, sorry. That's an awesome number one pick, Mike. I, for sure. I, I tried to get the the best of everything, and I think yeah. I succeeded because I, I had a hard time with this one. Like I knew a whole yeah. bunch of soldiers as far as like right. war movies go, right? But I'm like a cowboy that's a soldier. Yeah, a little narrow. So my number one pick is kind of like your number one pick in that I've mixed like there's a mix of like fantasy and reality in it. Okay. And also, I kind of want to talk about this movie because it hits a point that we hit a lot. But they did this back in 1989, and this is the kind of stuff you need to do if you want to be inclusive. And this movie got three Oscars, including a Best Supporting Actor Oscar for Denzel Washington. But I didn't pick Denzel Washington. Was that the year he beat out King Kong? That's such a dumb joke. I'm sorry. I don't know. (laughs) Um, That's so dumb. But I would like, in my posse, Sergeant Major John Rollins... Morgan Freeman's character in Glory. Ooh, Glory. Yes. Glory is the movie about the 54th Massachusetts Volunteer Regiment that was an all-African-American regiment led by white officers, but Matthew Broderick plays one of those, and this movie is great. Mm -hmm. Glory is a great movie. Denzel Washington won an Academy Award for it, but he doesn't do it alone because... Morgan Freeman is who he plays off of a lot. Yes. And also Matthew Broderick is who he plays off of a lot. It's the two of them. Who does a great job, but he definitely does. seems like the odd thumb out on the poster. It's like Matthew Broderick's in he this? Does, he does seem like an odd thumb out, but when you look at pictures of the actual um, uh, guy he plays. Oh, I didn't um, even think that, yeah. If you look at the actual pictures of uh, Robert Gould Shaw, mm-hmm. he, they look very much alike. And he's... and. It's interesting because the officers back then were like from wealthy families usually. Oh, they were usually yeah. like men of leisure. Mm-hmm. So him being kind of a like a, he, a fancy boy. Yeah, he he comes across as a fancy boy, um, which you're kind of like what? But it's 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 proper if you know your Civil War like history at all. And that makes complete sense that they based him after the actual guy. I'm the dummy right. that's like, oh, yeah, there are, this, these were real people. These were real people. Uh, it's interesting, though, because here's the thing, is that the characters uh, like uh, Major Rollins and um, Private Trip, Rollins was Morgan Freeman's character, Private Trip was Denzel's character. They're those, I don't, I hate that Hollywood does this. They're those kind of amalgamation characters. Uh, oh, yeah. When the story of the actual Sergeant Major that Morgan Freeman's character is based on who is named William Harvey Carney is just as good, if not better. But I think maybe they didn't know as many details of like what exactly went on, except for actions in battle. Maybe. Yeah. So they didn't want to like, I don't know what they do. They Hollywood does this all the time. They, and I think it's just cherry picking the cool events of a couple people. Right. And being like, Oh, this is close enough. Right. Let's make it all the same person. Right. I don't know. As a history nerd, that kind of like chafes me a little bit. But anyway, 
Um, <laughs> it's all for the name of entertainment. Uh, right. Ultimately, yes. But Morgan Fre- who doesn't want Morgan Freeman in their posse? I do. You know? <laughs> That's um, why you're picking him. And so Morgan Freeman as a Sergeant Major John Rollins, who he basically holds the group together. In this movie, the point of it is is that they're like, this guy really is the leader. This guy should be the commander. Yeah. But we're not allowed to do that because there's still racist people up north. Yeah. So what we're going to do is we're going to give him the highest non-commissioned officer rank we can. So we're going to make him the sergeant major. I got you. And that's, there's kind of an understanding between him and Matthew Broderick's character that like, hey, I'm in command, but you really run things here. You know, Morgan Freeman, you run things. Yeah. I'll t- I'm going to take a step back and I'm just going to r- kind of run block for you with the higher ups there above us yes. and get us what we need. And there's a whole scene where like they're not being getting the supplies they want. They're not even be given shoes. And Matthew Broderick is like Morgan Freeman comes to him. He's like, we don't even have shoes. And he's like, all right. He's like, oh, OK, I'm going to become a man here and take <laughs> care of it. And he goes in the quartermaster's office and starts like knocking stuff over and stuff <laughs> yep. and getting mad at him. The, the I'm best. getting my way. Yeah. yeah. And the best part is that Morgan Freeman and some of the other guys are like standing out in front of the door, not letting anyone else in or out. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, it's very <laughs> mafia like. It's great. That's it. There's this mutual respect between them, which I, I really like. And this is something we've talked about on our show a lot is that if you want to be inclusive and you want to have uh, here, you know, let's have African-American people in here. Let's have brown people in here. Let's have queer people in here. Find those stories. Yep. This is a story, a true story. This regiment really existed in Boston. There's a beautiful monument to them there. They actually show it at the end of this movie. It's very large and very nice. I've seen it in person before. That's this is a story about African Americans in something they did that was amazing. Yes, you know, fighting for their very own freedom, mm-hmm. and that's the stories I want to hear. That's the stories I want to tell. Instead of being like, "Oh, hey, here's a story that's been told before that you know already." Yes, but we just made everyone all different. <laughs> you know, and it's like, okay, wh- why? Yeah, just, what benefit does it serve? Really, what it is is their virtue signaling is what they're doing. Yeah, yeah. that's the benefit it serves them, but. A real creative person would scour and look for those stories like this story. Yeah, yeah. And there are tons out there. There are so many stories about, you know, if you're looking for a queer story, Milk is is a great movie in that regard. You know, that kind of stuff. And that movie was great, too. That's what I'm saying is that the, the things that they find that are actually telling these people stories instead of, like, trying to, like, take it, yeah. ostensibly take a white story and put other people in it, you know, I don't want to, I don't care about that. We're talking about like what you were saying earlier, taking the, the, the highlights from three different people and marginalizing them into one right. sort of, here's this amorphous person that right. did all this magical things. It's like, nope, yeah. the, the stories are interesting enough. They are interesting enough. And, you know, so this is something that they did and there was an Oscars, there are three Oscars involved and come on. Um, but let me tell you about the real guy that he's based on because he's great in the movie. He was a grave digger, and that's they that's how they meet for the first time. Because yep. Shaw was, and that was all fictionalized, and basically is the de facto leader. He has tons of run-ins with Denzel's character, trying to get him to realize what they're actually fighting for. Yeah, and it's a very very powerful movie. It's a very good movie. But basically, the majority of his character is based on Sergeant William Harvey Carney, who actually 
survived the Battle of Fort Wagner. That's the battle at the end of the movie where they're on the beach and yeah. no one wants to charge it. And the 54th Volunteers and they went down in history. They lost half of their uh, regiment going after them. Yep. And they actually didn't manage to take the fort. But the Morgan Freeman character at the end of it, you never know if he lives or dies. And the reason why people think he's really based on this Sergeant William Harvey Carney, because Sergeant Carney does live through it. Okay. Um, and he is famous for being the one who kept the flag up. And that's what initially Denzel's character does. What happens is Shaw gets shot, which really happened. Mm -hmm. Denzel grabs the flag and immediately gets shot and dies next to him. Yep. And then we're not sure what happens. Uh, well, in real life, William Harvey Carney, who would have been the Morgan Freeman character, picked up the flag at some point and kept fighting with the flag for several hours. The combat lasted. And then they eventually had a retreat. And then afterwards, he said, boys, I only did my duty. The old flag never touched the ground. He, That's awesome. Yeah. And and another interesting, wonderful thing is that, and they made a point of that there's good things about this movie, you know, not 100% historically accurate, but sometimes stuff gets the spirit right. Yep. And one of the things that they do get right is that they show Denzel's uh, character. And I think part of it might be they, they wanted to show a character who died with Shaw because Shaw got buried with his men in a mass grave by the Confederates because they wouldn't give his body back because he was leading Africans, African-Americans. I got you. Because racist. Yeah. Um, but Shaw's father literally said, no, leave him there with his men. He is the greatest honor guard in death or something, something to that effect. It's amazing. When I read that quote, I almost teared up because yeah. it's, it's beautiful. It's extremely fitting. I yeah. mean, the context, the true context is very disgusting and disheartening, but it's cool that that has that better lasting right. memory to it. Yeah. So Glory is a great movie. If you haven't seen it, see it. And just being able to get Morgan Freeman on my posse after the fact, <laughs> this is after the war, you know, yeah. he's too old for this ass. You know, now he's dressed in cowboy gear, but still has his he's, union pants on, I guess. I'm pretty sure he turns into his character from Unforgiven, which is awesome. Yeah, I think you might be right. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if they gave him the name Carney, but I like the, yeah. I like a guy named Carney. Yeah, he turns into the character from Unforgiven. <laughs> I'll go with that. Great character, great movie. And uh, yeah. It's a lot. I, I haven't seen that one, that one in a minute. That's a longer one though, like a that's like a three four hour mo war movie. It's or? not that long. Oh, it's, okay, it probably is a two and a half or though. Okay, I would think. Um, I'm not sure. I don't think it's any longer than Dances with Wolves. That's a big long movie too. I, and that's another one that I haven't seen in a minute. I think I'm gonna give myself a western drama western war movie weekend. Yeah, no, you, those those are great ones. I mean, and if you guys haven't seen Liberty Valance, that that's a great movie too. <laughs> I mean, you got John Wayne and Jimmy Stewart in it, that's along it. with um, Jimmy Stewart. Yeah, have you seen a man named Valance? <laughs> <laughs> it's great. It's a that's one. one sometimes uh, it's interesting because I've noticed you know older movies are paced a little differently, yes. a little slower paced. Yep. But some of them, even though they're slower paced. The acting is so well done. The writing so interesting that it's okay. I I think you I know. may have mentioned this on the podcast, but like one of the top three movies for me out of all movies is Twelve Angry Men. Yeah, and that is old, slow, yeah. all just faces and dialogue, mm -hmm. and you're like, why am I so captivated? But yeah, yeah. I get it. Yep. All right. Good so, job, partner. Yeah. So Mikey has Teddy Roosevelt <laughs> as played by Robin Williams, <laughs> and. 
I have Sergeant Major John Rollins, played by Morgan Freeman. I'm jealous. Posse. He's going to read you campfire stories. Yeah. You guys are going to sleep like babies. Yeah. I can't do the voice. <laughs> I wish I could. Old Buffalo Bill was riding well, along in the desert. When we were attacking full <laughs> Wagner. I can't. That's wonderful. I love it. That was perfect. <sighs> now it's your turn, listener. Give us your best Morgan Freeman. Oh. <laughs> uh, well, now you know who we want on our posse as our veteran soldier. Who do you want on your posse? Let us know. Uh, you can hit us up on all our social medias at Assuming Pod, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You can also send us a Gmail, assumingpositions at gmail.com. Dot com. Every week I say, hey, Mike, hey. <laughs> hey. Psst, 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 psst. How do you want them to format the Gmail? <sighs> Western style emails. Hmm. I already did smoke signals. I already did telegrams. Campfire tale is <laughs> Yeah, campfire story. Me, Campfire story. Tell me a story. Yeah. Something you would tell around the campfire. Yeah. About your old sto- old, old uh, war buddy. Yeah. And then we'll sing Kumbaya. <laughs> what is he in Red Dead? What's his Limpy Pete? Limpy, <laughs> Limpy Pete. Is it Limpy Pete? I think so. Crips. So Crips oh, is Crips, in Red yeah. Dead. And he has old war stories. Oh, and yeah. I was like, me and Limpy Pete used to go. Oh, like, yeah. yeah, write your opinion like that. Like, <laughs> me and old Lee Marvin, we used to go down and hang out with the squirrel girls. Oh, and uh, we had a great time. Uh, uh, we want to thank all you Positrons for being the best fans we could have and listening. We also want to let you guys know that the first weekend of July will be down in Houston at Bacon. Bacon! 2023, doing tons of stuff. So come out to that for sure. If you want to support what we're doing here, bringing positivity into fandom the best we can, you can buy us a coffee. Go to buymeacoffee.com slash pod and throw some ducats in the tip jar. <laughs> Give me some Java. Again, thanks so much for listening. We also want to thank that guy, Brad, for doing our announcing, Not Scott Productions for Equipment, Jazz for our music, and we hope you guys have a ripping, wrangling, rooting, dooting week like, like good old <laughs> Sam, you sent me to Sam says. Woohoo! <laughs> Rootin' tootin'. <laughs> Get back. <laughs> back off. No, it says back off. Yeah. Back off. Get away from my mud flaps. <laughs>